Hello and welcome to Off the Wagon. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. Here with me today, Jameson Maxwell. We have an emergency podcast that is, uh, I mean, I guess it's still an emergency even if it's a day late, but hey, um, a lot's gone down in the NBA Finals and we need to talk about it. So, Jameson, obviously the big news from yesterday wasn't even that the Raptors lost Game 5. Kevin Durant goes down. Yeah, and we still, a full day after the event, we still haven't gotten his MRI results. He ended up flying to New York instead of just getting it in Golden State, which is kind of weird. I mean, I don't know why you can't just get an MRI in Golden State and send it off to a radiologist in another state if you want another person to read it. So that's all kind of fishy and weird, and I really don't know what's going on here, but it pretty much looks like a ruptured Achilles. Which is, I mean, obviously the probably... I would probably say the ruptured Achilles might be the worst injury could occur in basketball in terms of just like normal occurring basketball injuries. Tendons, you just, you don't like tearing tendons. Ligaments are bad, but tendons is a complete other thing. Tendons connect bone to muscle rather than ligaments connect bone to bone. And that bone to muscle, especially for an NBA athlete, is constantly contracting their muscles over and over. And just, it's, it's not good. And it's a lot harder to heal. Yeah, it's it's obviously something that I mean I, I think a more prominent one would have to be the ACL, um, but the Achilles specifically. What I, I just asking you due to your uh, gen, semi well, medical semi, interest. You're going, you're, I don't know. I don't know enough, but I've researched and paid attention to it enough to kind of BS my way yeah, through it. Yeah, you're you're a stronger medical interest <laughs> than me, who just barely knows anything. Uh, what is it about the Achilles injury that makes it so hard for basketball players to recover? Well, I mean, just thinking about it logically, just this really doesn't have anything to do about just the injury itself. Anything that happens on your foot or lowest on your body, that's gravity. It's taking its biggest toll on that. And especially with the Achilles tendon, I always kind of explain it to people kind of like a rubber band that's holding in your foot, um, like right on your heel. And whenever it ruptures, it's like that you just cut a part of that rubber band and it just snapped up. And that's why you saw in that video, if you saw this, something firing along his calf, that's that Achilles that just snapped and then crunched up. So whenever you go in and you look at a, um, a ruptured Achilles, it looks like a tiny little scrunched up. Um, rubber band. Uh, it's just especially nothing good for a six foot eleven, seven footer. But he already had to deal with the foot injury, and uh, like also we, we said earlier, it's a tendon. Tendons are just very tough to recover from. Yeah, that Jones fracture in two thousand fourteen. Uh, it, it's something that a lot of people talked about that might be kind of the end of him uh, due to that particular fracture ending a lot of big men's careers. So. It, it's going to be interesting to see how he recovers from this one. Uh, obviously, this is a totally different story, I, I, I believe. Um, just just generally, you can't just get a tendon graph. I mean, maybe you could. I don't know. You, you can't just get a tendon graph and you're good in a couple months. Yeah, it's. I mean, good thing with medical technology, it's getting better and better. Uh, past 10 years, you could probably definitely see a dramatic increase in how people are coming back quicker and people are coming back with more production. Uh, there, I mean, there's all kinds of art- articles written after whenever DeMarcus Cousins ruptured his um, Achilles. And people were saying, like, oh, it ended Kobe's career, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, like, medical, like, 
medical knowledge and surgeries increase like threefold every seven years is what I've always heard. It, it's a very, very dramatic increase every single time. Why that might not be specifically threefold on that Achilles tendon surgery, there's definitely big steps that have been made since that Kobe Bryant injury. Without a doubt. I mean, just to jump, I mean, that happened in 2013. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, it's been a long time. Yeah, um, I I feel I, for people worried that this is some kind of career-ending thing. This isn't going to be, especially for a guy who's still in his prime. He's not old like Kobe was, um, and he's like he's like we saw in that game. All things aside, he's got passion. He really, really like loves playing this game, even though it, he lets the game get to him so tough, like so bad. He really wants to play this game, and he won't back down. He'll do the recovery that he needs to do. I just don't see him coming back next year, especially this happening at the very, very end of the season and being a nine-month recovery. Exactly. It's just it's horrible timing, all things considered, for Kevin, and that, that that's always been the thing about Durant is despite all of this drama going on off the court he's always just been a guy who just wants to get out there and play basketball so it it really shows i mean i'm i'm still still kind of mad at him for for the oklahoma city thing but you know what like it really shows the guy's heart for wanting to get back out there clearly not the right right decision at all uh i think i i think it's hard to not see these Two injuries and not think they're related um but you got you really got to admire durant's heart for getting out there and giving it a shot and giving it his all for his team like that i thought that was a really really uh admirable thing of him yeah um the report came out today that he wasn't anywhere close to 100 percent uh and they kind of a lot of the media was pegged onto the warriors well, I believe that. That's also probably a lot of the work of the agent as well, kind of trying to cover KD um, and showing that he's a competitor and wanted to get out there. But the Warrior staff shouldn't have let him go out. Kendrick Perkins said that this wouldn't have happened in the Oklahoma City Thunder squad. We don't rush by. We don't rush people, no matter what it is um, that we did. And whenever, um, what is it? Bob Myers is that his name? The, yes. Uh, the president of basketball operations when he's in tears. Those tears are, he feels bad for Kevin because of what happened. But those tears are also, I had something to do with this, and I could have stepped in and stopped something here. Yeah, I, I think he wouldn't be that upset if he clearly had responsibility. And I, I thought the Oklahoma City thing was interesting, though, because Serge Ibaka had a similar calf injury, came back very quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, this was different. As people... We don't know really too much about this calf injury rather than even we don't first of all We don't even know if it was a calf injury. My my guess is it was it was probably a lower gastroc Which is like your your back of your calf Injury and especially whenever you have a weaker muscle and you haven't let it fully recover You can still go out there and play like Kevin was balling He had three for three threes or something had like 11 points was looking good like you can play just fine after a while of recovery But that muscle is atrophied after being off of it and straining it that therefore you have to compensate in certain parts of your leg. Whenever you compensate, that makes your fine muscle, like and um and like ligaments and tendons, really susceptible to injury. And the overcompensation probably made that gastroc over kind of over um what's the word for it constrict really and created that rupturing of the tendon. Yeah, and that makes sense mainly because if you, if you just looked at 
I mean, obviously no one's really talked about the Ibaka injury much, but if you just looked at that Ibaka injury against the Clippers that year, it wasn't it wasn't the same way where he was kind of not wanting to put any pressure on it. He just kind of played through it ish. It was it was very weird. Um, but it wasn't any it wasn't like that. Durant Durant's looked like an Achilles from the get go. Oh yeah. Everyone was like, It's an Achilles, he's done. Yes. Everyone was freaking out right after it, especially like Whenever you're holding down low in the Achilles area, people have seen the ruptures of Achilles and it sticks in your mind. And as soon as somebody grabs down there, it's just it's an automatic like conversion in your mind. Oh, Achilles. And then that's why it was everyone was so surprised it was like some low grade strain in his calf. There, there there's so much more to this story that we don't know about the injury itself and uh that's why he was held out for so long and that's why he still wasn't 100% last night. Yeah. And I think it's a real lesson on on fans we really do not know what what's going on behind closed doors for the most part. So a lot of the speculation beforehand was you know oh is he holding out for the for the Knicks is he you know holding himself out on purpose? We, it, clearly he it, what the Warriors were selling us was completely wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So really, really, it's it's a lesson in you really don't know. Even though they, they even though they give you information, you just really frankly don't know. They don't have any obligation to tell people Kevin Durant's medical concerns like that's. Like they don't have to. They have. It's the opposite, pretty much. You don't. You're not supposed to really be telling people me, people's medical diagnoses and the details of their medical condition. You know. And so when fans like, oh, we need to hear more about this. Uh, we need to be more in the know. Uh, that's that's not right. I, I really strongly disagree with that. And the things that we do learn, we also have got to take with a grain of salt because a lot of it is like leaked stuff from agents to where they're trying to manipulate, especially at this time of the year of like free agency and everything. Of course. And that's actually a really good point, especially with Durant. What we mostly believe he's looking to get a big payday from the Knicks. If, if he did have, you know, an injury that was similar and not, not obviously Durant wasn't playing with a, with a torn Achilles last night when he started, but if he, if he had something that was more of a serious calf injury that could have been linked to the Achilles, there's no way in hell he'd want that leaked out to the Knicks. No, yeah. no, it's, I mean, Kevin Durant's in a very fortunate position where he's still going to get his money no matter what his condition is, whether he has a working Achilles or not. He still can get a max deal from multiple teams across the league. But that's not what Kevin Durant's concern is, and money is definitely not his concern. His concern is to go out and fix his legacy and go out and win with his own team next year. And if you have to take a one-year delay on that, and maybe your condition and your play won't be optimal after this, you won't be that 100% guy in his prime that you were beforehand, that's that's what's the problem. That, that has nothing to do with free agency and money and all that stuff. He's gonna he's in the same exact position he was before this injury. Which, it, it does bring up a, couple inter- like a pretty interesting point here, mainly being, if you're Golden State, what 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 are you gonna what do you want to try to do here? Do you try to give him the extension? Do you like the, do you try to throw the max at him, or are you going to try to see if you can give him less money, um, and hope he, hope he stays? Because I think for for Golden State right now, their primary concern should be keeping Clay Thompson rather than keeping Kevin Durant. 
in my Absolutely. opinion. Absolutely. I think that this injury, for, from Golden State's perspective, made that the case. I, I feel like you can, but I still think that there's a scenario um, where you can throw out, hey, Kevin, we'll give you anything you want to stay here, whether that's a one-year deal, a one-plus-one, two years, max deal. And there's still a scenario where they can keep Steph, KD, and Clay. The problem is Draymond's on the outside. And Draymond's been playing really well this series. So um, if I was if I was the Warriors, um, say, hey, KD, you want to come? And chances are they're probably just not going to get any bites there. Um, and then Draymond's a great consolation prize. The, and I think the biggest thing with the Warriors is they, if they pay him as much as they can, which is upwards of $200 million over five years, I don't know if that's a good deal for them. Yeah, I, I mean, especially for um, the narrative that people are saying that the pure Warriors, the ones without KD, um, that's the really pretty brand of basketball that they played their best at whenever they won 73 games in a season. And a lot of people say, let's just kick back to that and um, let's run it back. The whole problem with that is they're not going to have the same role players. And if Draymond's asking for a max contract, which he might, most likely will um you're not you're going to be in a very similar um situation to this year where your role players are a lot lacking and that's where teams really get you whenever it's especially um whenever kevon looney's been hurt this series it's been really hurting them even more because they don't have like a guy like a leandro barbosa or um like a <laughs> call me crazy but like back in the day like Anderson Varejao still even played good minutes for them. Murray I mean, that's, Spates. that's crazy. Murray Spates played great for them. I mean, it's I would never think I'd say Anderson Varejao played good, but he had a couple times where he came in and he created, you know. Like he, really he was did. he was almost kind of like a Kevon Looney. And, and this the mixture of these injuries plus the lack of depth is really really coming back to bite. Well, I mean, here's the biggest thing. If you do give Durant and Clay that max money with obviously keeping Steph, it's basically just just imagine what how this team would do without Andre Iguodala and without Draymond Green. They would be a complete shell of themselves. Mm-hmm. They would be a very good Portland Trailblazers. But oh, worse. No, no, no. That's not true. They would be a worse Portland Trailblazers because at least the Blazers have depth. That is I mean, that is true. But I mean, you, Warriors can still find ways to create pseudo depth. The thing is, this year, this season, um, their depth just really didn't pan out. Um, they got a lot of young guys that they thought would work out and that didn't do well. Um, and it's just a lot of guys that are inexperienced and aren't showing up in the playoffs. And they've had they've had some decent play from guys like Quinn Cook. He's hit some pretty big shots, but in general, it's just it's just really not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It really is kind of tough. It really does help the Warriors um, that Clay Thompson didn't make an All NBA team. That therefore, um, if they're giving him the max, they will get a pay cut on that. And the difference between him being on an All NBA team max versus the non NBA team max can get you a guy that in free agency that would really help. Um, I, I mean, the more you think about it, it's so difficult to say KD, we don't want you but I could definitely understand the argument why you wouldn't want to take him, especially with the whole he would need a full year to recover and the Warriors got to win now. Yeah, because you'd be paying 
I mean, significant money for a 35-year-old Durant who if I'm Kevin Durant, I'm trying to I'm trying to secure that secure that bag. Get get as much money as you can. Get a long a long-term deal contract in somewhere where you can win because he can get it anywhere. I just I think that this injury probably if he's if he is thinking that he wants to get as much money for as long as he can, I think this pretty much secure secures the fact that he's gone because Golden State Golden State's window is not closing at all. Like mm-hmm. they're just they just if they can retool, they're going to be fine. And I think I think sticking yourself with a massive Kevin Durant contract it, it's too risky. When you have guys, when you can spend that money more on depth and keeping Clay Thompson, keeping Draymond Green, who, while he has kind of declined a bit, I, I mean, you you just look at his value from last night. You can't let that guy go. Yeah, it, it's really like this is going to be a great argument, and it's going to be all over. Get up in the morning, you know, it's going to be all over FS1 um, of the whole should the Warriors keep KD. And it, it really, this this question just screws with your mind. It, you can't, I can't tell myself saying a team shouldn't want KD. That's crazy. But the more and more we've talked in this podcast, it's like, yeah, you're, you're right, Bobby. I mean, yes, they, they need to. They, they can't afford to have 30-something million dollars on their payroll that's not going to play next year whenever they need to win a championship almost every single year. Yeah, and here's the thing. That I think people are really don't understand. If Durant resigns with the Warriors, he's not opting into that thirty million. He's trying to get a long term extension. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be completely different. It's gonna be a complete new deal. Yeah, pay cut season's over a- after an Achilles injury. You're not he's not in the position to give sweetheart deals anymore to teams. This is about winning, and it's about making money. That's what that's what Durant has been. I, I mean, obviously. We've been burned by it before. We've seen him say one thing and then do another plenty of times. But I truly believe that it's about winning and making money, and the place you can do that, um, I think, is Brooklyn. But well, that we have a whole off season to talk about free agency. Uh, but for now, let's let's actually get into some uh, some basketball talk here. Uh, believe it or not, uh, the series is still going on. And my big question for you, Jameson. Should the Raptors still be favored to win this series? Which is yes. a wild take, but absolutely, they, they've got two games to win one. You know, there's there's no question they've got one at home still as well, and I'd still think they've got a good shot in Game Six. I mean, Warriors gonna be rolling in with a lot of momentum and a lot of pride coming into Game Six, using this KD injury kind of as fuel to kind of give it to them and. Um, give something to a guy that um, put all of his effort into something that really didn't go his way. But the Raptors, they've been playing so well this series, and they've been playing great defense across the board. They did not have that good of a game from Kawhi Leonard, aside from his little burst um, the other day, was not having that prototypical of a game of his. You know, like, they can do much, much better. Like, Pascal Siakam was missing all kinds of open threes. Like, Raptors have a much higher ceiling. They only lost by one, and they gave up that game in the end. I I still think that they have a good chance to um, even win Game Six in Oracle. Yeah, I I agree, and I think a lot of that has to do with uh, even though even though in the finals preview I said I was worried about their experience, 
when I really looked at it, this is a seasoned team, just not on this Raptors team. I mean, if you look at it, it's just a bunch of people who have played against the Warriors a bunch of times in previous playoff series, and they've come together and they know how to handle it. Look at this. You got Serge Ibaka from the Thunder in 2016, Marcus Saul from plenty of Raptors or uh, Grizzly series, and then uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard, who both uh, have faced off, you know, and with the Spurs uh, and the Warriors a couple times. So this is this is a seasoned team that's not going to be afraid going into six, um, and it's going to be interesting. There, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like you said, a lot of emotions going into it. Last game at Oracle, uh, Kevin Durant, you know, all that energy. Sometimes it can backfire. Um, that game, if you remember that game five uh, with Westbrook, uh, the first game in Oklahoma City right after Westbrook got hurt uh, in that Houston series, there was all this energy going in. Houston came in and, I mean, they, they, they just kind of, there's, there's something about being too emotional. I think there's something to be said about that, and I, I I think if you're the Warriors, you have to be aware. You have to be aware that you could definitely, you know, let that get get yourself out of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's been kind of weird watching Toronto. You think that whenever they won Game One, they'd be going crazy, but we discussed they had a business attitude. They walked off, no celebration. Whenever they won two straight in Oracle, no celebration at all. And Kawhi as a leader has really kind of rubbed off on their mindset. And it's really, this guy been there, done that, won the NBA Finals himself. And all, they're all taken in and buying in on his attitude. And that's really suited them well. And in this series as well, it showed, yes, yeah, Steve Kerr is a great coach and has made great adjustments. But Nick Nurse has done a hell of a job. And his schemes have like shut down Warriors um, to where it's like, Okay, Steph, go take all your crazy shots. That's going to be a thing, but we're, ain't, we're not going to let have anything else happen from Clay Thompson. We're not. We're going to give Andre Iguodala and Draymond Green open three-point shots. Their defense has been stellar. People have stepped up and played really well, and like Fred Van Vliet on defense, that has been something really under um, appreciated. They, with the way they're coaching, and what we've seen. In the in the series before, I just I can't I can't buy in on this. People saying, "Oh, Warriors got the momentum. Warriors got something to fight for. This is their series to lose." No, this Raptors have been playing amazing. They should have won last game. Yeah, it, and honestly, a lot of a lot's been made of that Nick Nurse timeout at the end, which I thought was terrible. But if you look at that defense, the way they've been able to disrupt the Warriors' ball movement. Not just, not just, I'm um, not just people with the ball, but if you look at how they've been just making it choppy for them, because that's always been the thing that Golden State does well is off-ball movement, uh, guys running off screens, moving around. The way the Raptors have been able to pay attention to every facet of that Warriors offense has just been incredible. Uh, I mean, you, you can't pass it to a guy without having a having two guys poking at the ball it's it's impressive it's very impressive mm-hmm. and I'm really excited to watch um, this game just just to see how these teams come out and what demeanor that they have and honestly even though being kind of a warrior hater it's gonna be cool watching the last game ever in Oracle for sure I mean it's I believe the oldest building in the uh, NBA even older than the garden 
Um, really? I, I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, the uh, call. I believe they originally called it... I, I don't even remember what it's called, but Oracle, like, it's an ancient, old, like, classic basketball arena. Um, probably has asbestos. We don't know yet. Um, but Yeah, it's probably good. Get out of the mesothelioma. Leave it all in Oakland. <laughs> Man. <laughs> exactly. Just let that mesothelioma cloud just float on over to the uh, as- or the uh, athletics place, the A's. You know, we'll see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, poor San Franciscans have to go over to Oakland to watch their game. They have to go take it back over to Silicon Valley and San Francisco geez. and all that. That's that really is the biggest bummer because a lot of a lot of the things people forget about this uh, this Oakland crowd or this Golden State crowd is back in the days when they weren't very good. I'm talking the Andres Biedrins, like late, you know, like 2009 era. Not even the We Believe Warriors. They still packed the you know we're 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 talking like a hundred percent attendance the the atmosphere was crazy it was more like a it was more like a like a raiders game than you know i don't know the san francisco you know orchestra uh i mean you had people you know freaking out to uh too short and stuff it was it was a legendary experience and this move to chase center next year is just going to be the ultimate kind of death of I mean, it, it's already it's been kind of dead for a while, but I mean, when we're talking that every single concession stand is going to have like farm to table concessions. Oh lord! Yeah, it's it's going to be. I mean, they're they're definitely all priced out. Warriors fans have changed the breed of them since that time. Uh, it's I guess it a lot of d- things do change whenever you. Whenever you change from Andre Karlinko as the best player on your team to Steph Curry, um, things a complete national brand happens, and the whole state of California hops on. And San Francisco has changed so much since then. So hopefully, I mean, just from a basketball standpoint, I mean, you still want to see a live environment in there, um, and still p- the Oaklanders um, that made the team so uh, lively in the arena will travel down down to San Francisco. Yeah, let's just hope they can afford it. It's going to be, I, I mean, absurdly expensive uh, oh, yeah. just for everyone. But there'll still be tickets sold. That's it's the oh, Warriors. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh no no no. They'll they'll sell out. They'll sell. They'll <laughs> they will one hundred percent sell out. There's no worries about that. Um, but anyways. Into the game, uh, in this series particularly, who has been uh, the one player who surprised you most in this series so far? Hmm. I, I mean, I a lot of people say Siakam, but I've really, this whole season, I've just kind of seen, like, this dude can handle the ball, bring, bring it up really well, control an offense. I guess n- not as much him has surprised me, but it's more the how much I've been surprised with Nick Nurse is really... Like trusted him with his hand, like hands on the ball, and bring it up whenever you have a Kawhi Leonard and a Kyle Lowry there. And then I've been really impressed with Fred VanVleet and the amount of energy he's brought um, for the Raptors. That's definitely um, not been surprising to me, but as well, just kind of just he's been a guy who's stepped up and acted like Adele Vadova was in Cleveland. But I've definitely been the surprise the most about how much they're putting the ball into Siakam's hands and letting him create. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, the player that surprised me most has been Serge Ibaka. Uh, I mean, the guy, as, as we we know as Thunder fans for you know since day one, uh, we've we've known the guy can play. But uh, towards after after the trade and even you know more in that last Thunder year, you could 
kind of had the feeling that his his trajectory was kind of dipping a bit. And then he had little had kind of some rough years, and he's not even starting. But the guys put in some pretty solid minutes. Had twenty points the other night in Oracle. Um, I mean, the guys, the guy is giving them a different energy. And I mean, when he comes on the court, you can definitely tell uh, that that crowd at. Um, it's not even the. It's not the Air the Scotia Bank Arena. Yes. It, how do you change it away from the Air Canada Center? That is just way too cool of a basketball court name. It's. I mean, you know what it is. It's money. Oh, I know it's money. I know it's money, and I. <laughs> I'm just. Some things are bigger than money. I the Air Canada Center. It makes too much sense for basketball. Anyways, side side. Just moving on from that. Uh, Bring back the Ford Center. <laughs> oh yes, we. I, I still call it the Ford Center sometimes, and if you yes. if you look at it in a certain light, you can still see the outline of the FO at uh, at what at a at a spe- specific entrance. But I feel unclean whenever I call it the Ford Center. I'm not gonna lie, because <laughs> I don't want to be that old person. You know, like I remember when it was the Ford Center. <laughs> do you remember Speedy <laughs> Claxton? <laughs> oh, I do. The crazy thing right now is I'm looking at a poster of Speedy Claxton, David West, Chris Paul, and Byron Scott right now on my wall. <laughs> Speedy Claxton, sixth man of the year, the Hornets' hometown heroes in 2005-2006 season. Oh, yeah, because they wouldn't, they wouldn't call the Oklahoma City Hornets. They were just your hometown Hornets. Mm-hmm. I'm actually looking, I'm, I'm looking at a little poster of opening night against the Sacramento Kings. Shouts to Peja Stojakovic. Oh great! Uh, yeah, I got that jersey. Oh yeah, that yeah he. I, I forgot he. I thought forgot he was a Hornet for a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, Speedy Claxton was. I mean, he was talk about talk about a great backup point guard right there. Oh yeah, especially in that era. Yeah, for sure. Um, anyways, pivoting from the Oklahoma City Hornet talk. Um, yeah, no, it's Serge Ibaka. That's probably my most surprising guy. No, nah, yeah, definitely. I think that takes the cake. I think you got a better answer on that. It's just with him. What we've lost a lot in Serge Ibaka is that rim protector that we all knew in uh, Oklahoma City. I mean, whenever you get older, you, you lose a step, and you can't be that guy who chases down blocks. But he's been blocked; like he blocked the ball great, like the past three games. And the not like the whenever we made fun of him in OKC at the end of his career, it's like, what is he doing taking threes? Like you know, like a big man shouldn't be shooting threes. And how have the turntables? <laughs> it's, it's it's completely changed. It really has. It's it's he was ahead of the curve. We should have paid more attention to him. And honestly, the most disappointing thing about him leaving is that right after he left, he started the Mafuzi Chef uh, show oh, on yes. YouTube. It, honestly, I don't know if you've seen any of them, but they always crack me up. I don't know. No, yes, I have watched them. Have you seen the one where he gives Kawhi Leonard the, uh, uh, I don't remember what animal it is, but he gives him some sort of like boar penis or something? No, no, I, I haven't seen anything too recent. I remember whenever he first started doing his little cooking stuff. Uh, it's it's some great stuff. I, I definitely recommend it to everyone out there. Just 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 YouTube it. It's there. I promise. It's it's great stuff. Especially if you love Serge Ibaka, he's he's the best. I love. He's him. such a lovable guy. Like. I, he was my favorite player on the team whenever he was here, and just whenever he'd sniff the ball after a free throw, <laughs> he still does. And like, and yes, and like all of his little things, he'd yell at the ball when another person was shooting a free throw. I just really enjoyed his free throw routines, and he's like such a great guy. Uh, he's such a great dad too, and I mean, just 
you missed the guy so much, and it's so weird to think, like, this dude's about... Okay, he could. Chances are he will win a title before Russell Westbrook. Yeah, I mean, that's that's very true. Um, and then he had that one time where he dunked in the dunk contest where he ripped the little rumble off of the rim. <laughs> that was so corny. <laughs> My toy is stuck on the rim. How did you get the toy up there, you weird little kid? Okay, I get it. Be back one second or something like that. And then he proceeded to like miss the dunk like twice yeah. or so. I, at one point, they had to put the toy back. <laughs> it was so awkward. It was poor little kid waiting for his toy. Oh, it was great. I loved it. Um, he could be back one second. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Serge Ibaka, he, was, he is from Congo. Um, yes. And his random headband in the, uh, in the uh, Fox Sports Oklahoma starting lineup. That one year he wore a headband to media day and then never wore a headband like during the season. See, how can you not love a guy like this? Like, You guys got to be Raptors fans just for Serge Ibaka. Like, please give this man a ring. Uh, yes, I, I I've been rooting for the Raptors just because like like every time I see Serge out there, it's like it's become more of a thing where I'm rooting for the Raptors and not mm-hmm. against the Warriors. It's, it's yeah, great. I've been secretly cheering for the Warriors. I'm not gonna lie, at the beginning of the series because the whole pre KD thing, I wanted uh wanted them to win without him. But now that he's gone, I guess it just doesn't matter. There's no there's, everything's now to full on cheer for the Raptors. But for people that were disappointed that the Raptors didn't close down in Game Five, be happy. We got more free basketball. Yeah, I mean, geez, what do you what what do you prefer, anyways? Like, there's nothing else going on. No, oh, offense. Stanley Cup. Yeah, Game get, Seven. Get, get, game Seven to uh, if you're listening to this tonight, I guess go go not Boston. Please don't let Boston win another one. I, that's all I gotta say about that. Uh, you got the Women's World Cup, which isn't even really a competition. That was fun to watch today. That just felt like you were playing FIFA on beginner's mode. I left after 3-0, and I was like, yeah, I'm probably not going to miss much, and missed uh, 10 goals, which is a bummer. Nah, that was great. Quick quick, quick, quick soccer question. Are you a fan of uh, running it up? Well, the thing is, you got goal differential in the World Cup as a tiebreaker, so you have in these first games, you pretty much have to. It's not a form of disrespect. Um, the announcers were kind of alluding to this. You score goals in as many ways you can when you're at that point, but try to make it where you're not like crossing it in the middle and doing headers because <laughs> that kind of gets you hurt. But what they're doing is they're just rolling up the side and just doing little simple passes towards the middle, and Thailand's poor little goalie had no chance every <laughs> single time. Like, and it was so sad because Thailand's goalie would put her arm out, and it looked like she would just miss it every time. I think her hand-eye coordination was really poor. I was explaining it to people today. I was like, it's like, just imagine USA, like, the next 5,000 girls that missed the world team, if you put, the, like, a group of them together and play Thailand, I bet you they'd beat them, you know? Probably. I, like, give me, like, I don't know, like, Oklahoma Sooners women's uh, club team, if, or I don't even know if they're club, um, and... I bet you they could beat Thailand. How sad that sounds. Well, it, this was Thailand's first appearance in the Women's World Cup, so it had to be pretty tough for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had already lost to USA by double digits in the past, I think, or 9-0 or 8-0 or something. That's so. pretty tough. We'll probably... Hey, we might even... We might do a pot on that later. Who knows? But maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Man, RIP to the FIFA 2014 like Brazilian little Brazilian boy kicking his soccer ball. I hope he's okay. Little CG Brazilian boy in the away. Uh, great times. Um, so, um, you got prediction for the rest of the series, Bobby? Yeah, I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna go Raptors in seven. I think the Warriors find a way to squeak it out. I think we probably. I think we get to see. We're gonna see one insane game from Clay or Steph, and then. Raptors close it out at home, uh, but I could. I definitely. I don't think the Warriors are just going to waltz in there and get this win. I think the Raptors. They're going to have to have a crazy performance to win. Uh, I just kind of think it'll happen though. Um, so yeah, give me the, give me the Raptors in seven. What do you think, Jameson? Oh man, it's. I'm at the. I I'm at the point where I want to say Raptors in six, and it's it's crazy for me to say because you'd think that Warriors have to win their last game in Oracle and they'd have to win whenever they're coming off all this momentum. Guys, like Raptors are going to show up. They have just as much fire as the Warriors are going to have because this is the NBA Finals. So you can't say, oh, this being the last game in Oracle, all this stuff is going to make it crazy. No. It's an NBA Finals game. All these things are just baseline. You know, if it was a regular season game, it would be completely different. You should be hyped anyways. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb. Raptors in seven is the more logical cho- choice, but I could definitely see Raptors winning in six. I'm just going to put my neck out there and say it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a good, a, honestly, a pretty good pick. So, yeah. So, uh, there you have it. That's our predictions for the rest of the finals. Uh, Jameson, anything you want to say before we wrap her up? Oh, uh, no. Uh I think that pretty much covers it. Uh, I think that this will be a really good game on Thursday. It'll be entertaining, even if it is a blowout, because there's going to be so many emotions in this game that it's much wa- must-watch TV. Without a doubt. It's it's going to be... A, I think either way, it's going to be a very, very good finals game. Um, and because I said that, I probably just guaranteed a blowout. But either way, I think it'll be good. I'm excited for it. Can't wait. Just like Bart Scott. Can't wait. Oh, uh, yep. Yes, sir. Classic. Cla- classic little Berman clip there. Oh, um, man. I love Berman. I, 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 I really, did you see the video of him uh, uh, singing Take It Easy by the Eagles? No, I have not seen oh, that. I got to send that to you. He was at like some charity deal for the Bills. It was very great. I just think of him whenever he got really mad on live TV. <laughs> it's, 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 it's incredible. All righty. So... For me and Jameson, thank you so much for listening. If you like listening to off-season podcasts like this, we are about to really enter enter uh, some interesting territory here. So, uh, this is going to be a fun off-season. If you uh, if you're getting bored, you know uh, you got to hit that subscribe button. Get those uh, get these little off the wagon podcasts delivered right to your podcasting service. We are on everything Spotify. Apple Podcast, Stitcher, name it. We're on it. Uh, so definitely hit us with that subscribe, five-star review if you like us. Uh, give us that review and the rating. We, we always love a good review. So, yeah. So thank you guys so much for listening. And um, I, I can't remember the Serge Baca thing you would always say. Ava classe? Ava classe. That works.